Hey everybody, welcome to episode 5 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and today I'm excited to welcome Mike Napoleon, a co-founder of the Super Speed Golf Training System, which is one of the fastest ways to increase your club head speed. Mike is a PGA member and serves on the advisory board for the Catalyst Golf Performance in Chicago, Illinois, which is an all-inclusive golf training facility that he started many years ago, uh, which gives players an opportunity to have an entire team around them to help with multiple facets of their game, all under one roof. Uh, It was here that Mike and his partner Kyle completed the R&D for Super Speed before they launched in 2014, exploding on the scene and have since been adopted by over 500 professional golfers around the world. I really hope you enjoy the knowledge that Mike has to offer and the advice he has for junior players and their parents. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, Appreciate you joining us today. Uh, Today I've got co-founder of Super Speed Golf, Mike Napoleon, joining us. Mike, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for jumping on with me. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know how much you know about the premise of this podcast, but really what I'm trying to do is just build some value for the junior golf space out there. And, um, you know, I've had a chance to meet you guys and, and look at your solutions. So, uh, just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about what super speed is, but wanted you to kind of start with you and who you are and a little bit about your background, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. And and we love this type of thing. We we do a lot of these and, and really enjoy the fact that it's a more focused on the junior golf area. I mean, my personal past, that's been a big part of what, what I've done in my career as a as a golf coach. So I'm a uh, PG professional swing coach by by trade. I'd say you could kind of label me as your quintessential golf nerd when it comes to all of your fun science and technology that happens with golf as well. But really trying to take a lot of that complex information and make it actionable for people, uh, whether that's we're training kids to become better athletes before they become better golfers or adults that are just trying to improve their game. Um, you know, I, I come from a background in, in swing coaching and I just basically throughout my career tried to find all of the new information that I possibly could at every given moment. So, um, you know, got very involved with working with the team out at TPI back starting in like 2007 um, opened my own golf academy business in the Chicago area in uh, 2011 called Catalyst Golf Performance. Our main goal there was to comprehensively look at anything that p- could possibly be affecting every single player that we had in our program uh, and then creating programs for every aspect of their game, including swing coaching, equipment fitting, fitness, rehab, whatever it was going to take to help somebody get better, we could do that. Um So during that time, and with the sort of think tank of uh, great people that we have on our team um, at Catalyst and then now at Superspeed Golf, uh, we we went to seminars all the time, right? So I mean, just a total seminar junkie. I'm on the road all the time now, whether it's teaching workshops, you know, going to workshops, seeing seminars, whatever it might be. And uh, that was kind of where Superspeed all came about. We heard uh, a presentation by Dr. Tom House about a lot what he was doing, uh, working on velocity, arm velocity with Major League Baseball pitchers. And we kind of took those concepts and, and adapted them 
for the golf swing to help people uh, swing the golf club faster and hit the ball further. That's awesome. Um, can you talk a little bit more about what you took away from Tom, you know, in, in regards to arm velocity and kind of what triggered, you know, you just, you just start thinking about the golf swing specifically. Oh, wow. I mean, how long do we have? We could go about, we could go on about this for a few hours. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I mean, we could. Yeah. Just kind of give us like the, the high level. And then, yeah, you know. for sure. No, 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 no. I mean, and, and again, Dr. Tom house is probably one of the, one of the fathers of this entire type of training. And there were other researchers that had done things before him um, on velocity training, but he had done an awful lot uh, in the baseball realm. And basically if you throw something like he's your guy, right? Right. Um, so what we were looking at, what he was looking at there is a couple major concepts. Number one is that you needed to use both lighter weight and heavier baseballs relative to the actual game weight baseball that somebody was throwing. And there were some specific recommendations on how much those weights should change. Um, and then the other piece of that is that, you know, it was primarily like a neurological training on the side of helping the body move faster during something it already knows how to do. And then also trying to activate more motor units in the body um, during that specific motion. So there, there was a lot of, a lot of that information was extremely good. And, and we, we used a lot of that, but what we started to find is that there's actually two separate parts of the training that was kind of being put together as one um, that the previous type of training was called overload underload training. And we've actually broken that out now into what we call overspeed training, which is going to be specifically neurological speed training, trying to you know, make the body move faster than normal so that we can get a, a new expected response speed from the body during a motor program. And then overload training, which is going to be more on the side of like motor unit activation during a specific movement. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I want to kind of dive into that a little bit more, but first I kind of want to talk about just golf in general and where the game's at in, in relation to speed and distance. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, what do you, what do you want to know? I mean, if we look on tour, like people are getting faster, um, yep. balls going farther. I, I really don't see, I mean, in my opinion, I don't see uh, the USGA or the major or organizations in golf putting a lot of limiters on it. Um, I think there's a couple reasons be, that, that I don't think they will, but uh, I think the primary thing is that people like to see this. Like it's fun to watch people get out there and hit it 350 off the tee in the fairway. I mean, it's nuts what's sure. going on, but I mean, I, I mean, look, like if you look at the graph of like how many players on tour have, you know, above 170 ball speed, like if you go back 15 years, you know, that was in the top echelon. And, and now, I mean, now that's two thirds of the tour. And if you don't, if, if you're not creeping up on 180 now, like you're behind the eight ball. And I can yeah. tell you having dealt with, I mean, we, we have hundreds and hundreds of tour players that use our products. I don't care if they're swinging. I don't care if their ball speed's 170 and they really feel like they need speed to just be able to compete or their ball speed's already 185 and they just want more because there's really not, not much of a downside. Yeah. Yeah. So can you, can you talk about how super speed helps increase that swing speed? And I'm specifically interested in the neurological, you know, I've been a test dummy. We were just talking about it before we got on, you know, um, when you guys did a presentation for some coaches before, and I saw some immediate jump, you know, just going through one of the protocols 
Um, and so I'm just kind of curious about how the system actually works. Yeah, absolutely. So let me, let me kind of forward that with this idea. So there, there's four major categories that affect the, you know, how far the ball is going to go, how, how any human being can hit a golf ball. The first one is going to be physical. So, I mean, essentially how strong somebody is does have an, a, a you know, pretty major impact on, on their ability to create force production and, and create speed. That's one. Second one is going to be the one that I, I would say that the golf coaching world overemphasizes, which is going to be the mechanical elements of the swing. Um, you could be the strongest person in the world if you don't know how to swing the golf club and line up the face on the, on the ball. It's not going to matter. The ball's not going to go very far. So mechanics are an important thing. Uh, we like to break mechanics down in a general sense to ground reaction force, uh, rotational sequencing, and then sort of club delivery or lag and wrist mechanics. Um, those are affected by super speed golf training. So there is some improvement to those mechanical elements, but it's a minor part, part of the training. You know, I, it would, it's important to also mention that, you know, equipment optimization is very key too, especially when we're talking about junior golf, you know, you can have a great athlete on the junior golf side and if they have the wrong equipment, they're not going to get much out of it. Right. Um, so then the fourth key, the fourth piece, which is really where super speed steps in, because this is the one that wasn't really thought about or talked about, um, at least not in the mainstream until we brought it to the forefront, which is the neurological side. Um, and that's where I would say at least 80, 85 percent of the gains that you see from super speed golf, depending on the player, come specifically from the neurological side. And that's all based on the backbone of what we call a motor unit. So motor programs are how we do anything. So it, it, they're like computer programs written in your brain. So the motor program for the golf swing starts in the brain. Brain sends the signal down your central nervous system that arrives at your muscles. Then your muscles respond to that signal and produce that movement. Now it's a much more complicated process than that. And there is some amount of feedback that goes back and forth between those, those receptors in your muscles and, and the motor programs and neurons in your brain. But the big piece here is that whenever you swing a golf club, let's say it's driver swing, for example, your brain expects a certain speed of response from your muscles. And that's how we're able to coordinate that movement. And that's how we're able to have subtle adaptations during the movement. It's, it's that expected response speed of our, of our muscles. And then that's, you know, controlled neurologically. So what we're doing with super speed is we're changing what that expected response speed is going to be. Um, we're able to do that by sort of tricking, um, tricking our body into moving faster during that motion. And we do that by first making it move a lot faster. So you get that lighter club where you can move a lot faster than your normal swing. So like a good, I just use a, a player that swings at a hundred miles an hour is a good example. But if you swing at a hundred miles an hour, normally you can swing our green super speed club in the men's set on average, about 118 to 119. So it's really wild. It only takes a couple swings and all of a sudden your brain starts to expect this faster reaction speed. So then we add a little bit of weight back and do it again. We add a little more weight back and do it again um, with the idea of actually proving to our neurological system that our body can move that fast, you know, not just with that lighter weight club, but also with one that's a little heavier and one that's actually even slightly heavier than the player's driver. Um, then when we go back to actually put the skill elements back in, you know, tee up the next ball and, and hit one on average, we see about a 5% jump in swing speed. Uh, and then over about six to eight weeks of regular practice with the system, we'll see that increase become permanent. 
Wow. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And really just because you're ingraining that into the brain, correct? Exactly. So we're not, so number one, we're not changing the motor program and you can't actually change motor programs. You can really only build new ones, but that's a whole other podcast for, for the sure. coaching world. But the, the big one that we're doing there is we're, we're just resetting what your brain expects when you pull the trigger is really what we're, we're doing there. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about like the junior players and you know, what a vulnerable time, you know, when you're just starting out and, you know, you're learning the mechanics because you talk about all the different pieces that play into, um, you know, being able to effectively produce a good golf shot and distance um, with physical, with mechanics, um, you know, the neurological. So how important is it for a junior player to be in tune with with this? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's incredibly important for them to be in tune with it because again, if we can set the expected reaction speed to this to something fast when we're starting, we don't have to go back and fix it later. You know, I think the biggest issue that we'll, we run into with a lot of kids and, and, I, and I see this a lot where you have like those kids that, you know, it all, it, it tends to seem to happen in like that 10 to 13 range in, in what I see where, kids become way too over-specialized in, in, in just working on golf and it's all they do. And they become very overly mechanical and they really forget to be athletic with the way they're swinging the golf club. You know, at a younger age, I think it's easier because, you know, the younger kids, basically what we did in our, at our academies, what we're trying to promote there is we're just trying to promote as much like speed and power development as we can. I'd, I'd rather see a kid hitting it sideways at age seven, but, you know, absolutely getting after it with every swing you know, as they start to get up more toward that eight to 12, eight to 10, eight to 11 type range, you know, we're still going to be emphasizing on, on trying to maintain athleticism, and be powerful, but that's when we can start to really hone a lot of those skills that are coming in. Sure. Um, I feel like sometimes it's that overly competitive need in that younger age where, you know, kids are more worried about going out and shooting a score and being the best 11 or 12 year old golfer in the world than they are really thinking about the big picture. I, I would posture at least that, you know, not all of the best players in the world that end up being the best players in the world in their early 20s, mid 20s, were the best 10 or 11 year old golfer in the world. I think they were more likely to be incredibly good multi-sport athletes, usually up through high school. And even some could have probably, I mean, we've got plenty of guys out on tour now that could have been multi-sport athletes, even at the collegiate level. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, as I had, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with coach now, uh, but I had Spencer Dennis on a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about that with his son, you know, his son's young, I think three or four years old. And he was talking about just getting him out there and just, we want to hear the whoosh, you know, of the club. Like we just want to be athletic. We just want to try to generate some speed. We want to put it out there, but we're not super focused on, you know, hitting perfect golf shots at three and four years old, obviously. Absolutely. But again, I think if you expand on that, I think it can go further than that. You know, there's in my, I just, I feel like there's way too much of a uh, need for like our miniature tour players out there in a lot of the world of junior golf. I, I think the game should be a lot more fun for kids at those younger ages and probably look a little bit less like it does out on tour until they're, you know, getting up into at least the high school range. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was a multi-sport athlete. And like you said, I know a lot of high level players that um, I was actually listening to something with Daniel Berger on it today, where he was talking Mm -hmm. about 
you know, playing different sports growing up and actually he's a huge tennis player. And yep. he said, I love tennis. I love the game of tennis almost maybe more than I love golf. Um, yeah, he's just, absolutely. you know, I'm better at golf, but he mm-hmm. was just talking about the athleticism of a sport like tennis and what it has done for his game. Absolutely. I mean, it seems logical that if, as you're growing up, you spent, you know, more focus and more specificity on just one sport like golf. And you did that for your whole childhood, that it would produce somebody that was better in their early twenties. But when it, when we start to look at that and we start to do studies on what actually happened with a lot of the best players in the world, you don't see that to be the case. So, you know, there's one thing I can put out to your audience, you know, the whole over-specialization thing, let Mm -hmm. your kids play a ton of different sports. And, you know, if golf's the one they end up liking the most, so be it. And if they like something else, let them do that. Yep. Yep. No, I love that advice. Um, what does super speed, I know you guys have different, you call them protocols, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of training programs, I know you have a junior protocol. So is your junior protocol more designed to develop athletic movements? Um, or can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we actually have two different segments of junior protocols. So we have the first we call our uh, super fun protocol, which is our, that's going to be like your younger kids. We, we look at that about ages five to seven. Um, and absolutely. So that one basically uses the clubs in a somewhat similar fashion. So the, to the other protocols, we're, we're definitely making aggressive swings, both on the dominant side and non-dominant side um, during the protocols. But then we're also mixing in other athletic drills. So we mix in things like uh, vertical jump, standing broad jump. Um, we sprints like actually those actually go in between the different swings that happen in the protocol. And it's almost like a little station based, um, approach to how we would teach the kids in that, that type of a class. And that goes very well into your junior golf programs that are kind of more station based where they'd have like a speed and power station and like a agility station or a balance station and then a driver station, a putting station. However, those are, that was how we used to structure our junior golf programs. Sure. And that's how we we'd recommend doing that. So that, that kids don't get bored with doing one thing too long. So right. that protocol is awesome. I mean, it's all about moving fast, jumping high, running fast, all of those things. Um, are involved in that in that uh, young age group protocol as we move into like those eight to ten year olds um, this is going to be where again a lot of these kids are going to be playing more golf and they have developed some of the skills that they need to go play golf so this is where we start to just make them swing aggressively and use some of the different drill positions so we start to do um in our adult protocol, we have the drill called the step change of direction swing. A similar drill to that we do in the, in the older junior programs is, is called our windup swing. So it's basically make, it's like a hybrid between a golf swing and a pitching windup. Um, okay. And in there, we're just trying to get, you know, good separation rotationally. We're starting to work on ground reaction force and we're doing all this really cool stuff with just the simple thing of, you know, wind up like you're swinging a baseball and let this thing rip. Um, so the more we can get, you know, the, the more great, you know, solid, scientifically founded coaching things that we can get into these protocols with only having the simple goal of just see how fast you can make this go, the better, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And then so when you guys run your speed clinics, because I know you have those, like, do you have ones that are specific to juniors? Yeah. So we don't personally run a lot of the speed clinic programs. Um, We actually have been building business models for coaches for a while now where um, we've just 
sort of modeled out an exact program that they can implement at their facility to run these speed clinics in, in, a, in a good way. And yes, um, we're coaching those coaches on how to run those programs um, to, to be very effective for juniors. And absolutely. I, I mean, there's facilities that have, you know, they've run an eight to 10 class. They run the younger kids class and do those two separate protocols. I mean, the, the cool thing is though, is that you could actually run a clinic at your facility that had both adults and kids in it at the same time. The protocols actually take about the same amount of time to go through. They just have some subtly different drills in there um, that are just more age specific. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, what other kinds of knowledge and stuff do you have just to share with the junior golf community? I mean, is there anything that, you know, whether it's technical training, speed training, making golf fun? I mean, what, what types of advice can you give to this audience about? The I mean, game? those are, those are all good things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think making it fun is the absolute most important thing. I mean, if, if when you're dealing with junior golfers, if they're out there and they're, they're struggling through it and they're just not having a good time, they're going to find something else. Like, make golf as fun as it possibly can. And there's so many different, different strategies and ways to do that. But I mean, I just like to vary things a lot and that would kind of segue into one of my favorite topics to talk about, which is like motor learning and how people learn and the best ways to actually uh, not only coach, but how you should practice. Um, I think golfers practice horribly and there, there's so many cool principles on the motor learning side that, you know, I would say fly in the face in many ways of very traditional things that happen in, in not only adult programs, but in junior programs. And I mean, in my opinion, if you walk into a junior golf program and the first thing you see is a bunch of, um, you know, a bunch of golf balls stacked up and the, the kids are just sitting there banging balls, like you should leave immediately because they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. And I, I think very variance into the practice is so important. Competition in the practice is so important. You know, whether we're working on putting, chipping, whatever it is, like if you're, if you're working on chipping and you hit more than one chip in the, to the same hole, you know, from the same spot in a row, um, you're not optimizing your practice. Cause you know, if you look at any other sport, well, you know, let's take basketball, for example, you know, it's very rare that you just stand there and shoot free throws from the same spot all the time to practice. Like it's dynamic, it's interactive. You have to be reactionary in the way you learn and golf is harder to do that. Cause our standard is to stand in the driving range and hit balls, but you know, it's, you got to find ways to add, add variance to your practice, add competition to the practice and the best junior golf programs in the world that I've seen um, certainly do all of those things in a very, very strong way. What do you think about taking the practice to the course? I mean, you talk about competition um, and just creating an environment where you can continue to be more creative and figure out how to hit different shots. I mean, when you were doing a lot of instructing in, in your golf school, what did you guys do from that regard in terms of like how much time you're spending on the range being technical and then going out and actually playing on the course yeah so a couple pieces number one i think when you're out on the course you should consider that practice in many ways um it, it doesn't have to be practices at the range play is on the course like when you're out playing golf that you are practicing and and i think in many ways you're learning more about the game than you are when you're standing at the driving range um i'll answer that in two ways first like at the driving range i think it's important to like i said try to simulate that competitive environment and that game environment as much as you possibly can. That's where all the randomization and variety comes in in the drill. 
um, as soon as you get yourself into autopilot where you're just kind of banging balls, you're wasting your time. So that that's the first one. Make the practice facility more like what you're going to function out on the course. Vary the lie, vary the uh, slope, vary how far you're hitting it, vary the clubs you're hitting. All of those things are great ways to help improve what you're doing at the practice facility. On the golf course, do things other than just go out and play stroke play. You know, play different kind of match play games. Play other things. We uh, Here's a fun one. You'll like this. And one of my favorite things we used to do with especially some more of our kind of like advanced players, like when we're getting into like high school players, collegiate players at our academies. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite games ever is something I call bad luck golf. So okay. it's a it's a one-on-one match play. So I'm playing against you. Okay. We tee off from the same place. And then where, so if you hit the ball in the fairway, okay, I'm allowed to move your ball anywhere I want within 20 yards. Hmm. If you hit it in the rough, I can move it anywhere I want within 30 yards, and it, it can go even worse than the rough. Wow. And then basically we play against each other, moving each other's ball around into other spots until we, we hole it out. I, I'll tell you this. If you can get anywhere close to par in that game, you, you, you deserve to, you know, you're ready for tour. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Because I guarantee every single time you hit the ball in the fairway, the next shot comes out of a divot. Every time you hit it in the rough, you end up right behind a tree. Right. And what ends up happening in that is, you know, again, it's it's a competition not for making par on the hole. It's a competition against the other players. So the goal there is and, – and there's other rules too. Like once you get on the green, you have to move – you can move the ball, I think, 10 feet away from – where it is so basically in order to hole out you have to make like a 10 foot putt mm-hmm. um but that just i mean number one kids love it you know like your high school kids just love just for sure you know, just completely you know messing with the other player as much as they possibly can it starts to work on getting in their head you know because you'll feel like you hit a really good shot and then oh here you go i'm in a divot <laughs> again or you know i oh i missed the fairway by a yard now i'm behind a tree like Right. Um, it seems like a really brutal game, but that's another one of those big motor learning practices that I like is that's that practice should always be harder than the game. Right. For sure. You should always make practice way harder than the game so that when you get out on the course in a tournament, it feels like it's just simple. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, oh, this is the easiest golf's been for me in a week. I mean, you, you didn't know what they were doing to torture me in my lessons and in my uh, my classes all week. God, this is easy. All I have to do is hit it down the fairway and hit it on the green and make a putt. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's a great game. Um, I used to play where you hit, you play two balls and you play the worst one on the next shot. Yeah. Uh, but I've never mm-hmm. played it that way. But, yeah, it's uh, it definitely brings the creativity into it. And, you know, I'm sure the banter back and forth, um, you know, is increases throughout the round. And it's just a fun a competitive way to continue to grow the game. Um, yeah, I really like that a lot. Um, sure. Let's see. Let's talk a little bit about um, what you guys like. What's next for Super Speed? What are you guys working on right now? Yeah. Anything additional um, for the junior game or just as a company? Yeah, we're working on it. I mean, we've got we've got a lot of different projects going. Actually, um, we're actually launching launching our tennis products. Um, okay. They're going to be first orders are going to be shipping out like the end of this week early next week um so we actually do now have speed training products for the tennis world a really good friend of mine great tennis coach uh, named jeff salzenstein is going to be doing our protocols for tennis 
And we've already filmed those. They'll be up on the website soon, but we've got some really exciting stuff going there. Um, you know, our normal overspeed training protocols are you, you would recognize, even though you're going to be working on ground strokes, backhands, and serves in, in these. But we're also doing some really cool stuff with footwork patterns. It's a, it's a really neat thing coming for tennis. Nice. Um, that's one. Um, we do have uh, a new speed training product uh, that's sort of top secret at the moment, but it's uh, hopefully going to be released at the PGA show in January. So we've got some new stuff coming there um, kind of primarily to focus more on hand and arm speed, like more upper body segment speed, um, which super speed does do our normal sets do that. Um, there's just a lot more. It seems like there's a lot more focus on the, the body sequencing and ground reaction for stuff with our normal overspeed training protocols. So we've got some more like hand arm speed type stuff coming in January. Um, we just hosted our first, hopefully first of many um, super speed live workshops. Uh, so that was a full two day speed and power workshop that we just hosted at the uh, golf performance center up in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Okay. Um, really fun crowd had about 30 people in attendance. Um, I said, we just basically spent two days talking about all of the best technology in the industry, how we, we basically looked at everything that can affect speed and power in the golf swing comprehensively in two days and tried to you know turn into a filter a little bit for all of the stuff that you read going back and forth on the internet, you know, about all these different types of technology and analysis. And we wanted to look at what are the actionable items out of all that stuff and how can it affect your game tomorrow? Um, so those workshops are something we're really, really excited about. Um, are those you know, industry again, professionals or are those just common, you know, folks coming out to check out super speed? No, this is, this is a program specifically for the consumer. And okay. again, that was where we kind of saw a need there because look, there's tons of great industry professionals out there, but there's a lot of people out in the, in the world that don't have access to those great coaches, you know, nearby or where they are. And I think getting exposed to some of this information, you know, getting an opportunity to get on a ground reaction force system and actually see how you're using the ground and get on a 3d motion capture system and see what your kinematics look like. And then actually, you know, kind of talking about how we can uh, use all of that information to give, you know, specific actionable plans to help somebody get better. And then of course we spent, you know, a lot of time talking about more detail on overspeed training and how we can optimize you know, our super speed training for everybody in the class as well. But um, no, we're really excited because, I mean, there's a lot of groups that do great industry education. I mean, we've been partnered and we uh, were a worldwide sponsor of TPI and have been for a while now. Um, I think they do an absolutely phenomenal job. I mean, most of my industry educations all come through uh, through their organization. But I think, you know, even though there's a lot of these good groups that, that educate the professionals, I think that at this point, you know, with such easy access to information. What we're finding is that, you know, your, your golf nuts, your, your, your guys that play golf on the weekends and just want to get better really are like kind of, they're really interested in this information and the content that, that we're able to present. I think it helps them get more excited about ways to get better and, you know, kind of shows people why it's so important to work with a team of coaches that, that, that can really help you optimize your game if that's what you're after. So, uh, yeah, like I said, we're really excited about that program. We we hope everybody really enjoyed it that came and uh, saw it this weekend. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to uh, a lot more of those to come. We'll probably have a schedule of those coming out here in about uh, about two or three weeks or so for next year. Awesome. Awesome. Where can people find those? 
uh, you're gonna be able to find all of that information and all of our our stuff on our, our website at superspeedgolf.com. Um, you can just click on the workshops tab up at the top and that'll, that'll give you information on the, uh, super speed live programs. Okay. Um, and then obviously follow us on social media and all those things. If you want to see more information about everything that we're doing, uh, we try to keep that stuff up to date as, as, uh, much as we can. Awesome. Um, well, I know you guys, you know, have really taken over, you know, from a tour pro standpoint, you guys have over 500 pros that are using you guys system. And, you know, I, I read somewhere, I mean, you guys aren't paying anybody to advertise. It's just, you know, you've really brought a good product to market and, you know, you can, the results are right there along with it. I think I saw a new picture of, uh, is it Duff today? Who's now using, uh, now using super speed. Sure. We, we get, we get so many, I mean, we get a lot. I mean, we're at this point, like we've kind of stopped keeping track of the actual number. <laughs> right. It's somewhere in the ballpark of about two thirds of the active tour players in the world um, yeah. are using or have a super speed golf system. Um, and you're right. Like we, we haven't endorsed any of them. We, we've really just offered the product to, to say, you know, this is something that you think is going to help you. You know, if we'd love it, if you'd give us a picture, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. <laughs> we'll help you out with it. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, we, we consult with, with different players on, on pretty much a weekly basis just to, you know, either monitor their training, help them with the training or get them started with the training. Um, yeah. But, you know, like I said, it, those elements that affect speed and distance, you know, those big four elements there, the physical, the mechanical equipment, neurological, Again, there really wasn't anyone looking at that neurological side. So it's a major category. I mean, I put it up there equal to all of the others as far as its ending effect on speed and power. Um, There, you know, there was plenty of emphasis on mechanics. There's plenty of emphasis on equipment. And there's a lot of emphasis on, on, you know, the physical and the body swing connection. But really looking at that neurological side, it it was something that, you know, we we've spent a lot of time doing now and you know i guess you know, super speed's kind of becoming the go-to for a lot of that information yeah for sure i think you guys have done a great job and i think the proof's in the pudding so um i just want to wrap it up a little bit but what what can you leave with our audience um you know just just as we part ways here um any kind of last words that you've got yeah absolutely i mean as far as the especially on the junior golf side like just make sure it's always staying fun and, and if it, if it's ever getting stressful for, for those junior golf players, when they start getting into tournaments, you know, find ways um, to just get out there and let loose about it a little bit. You know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, tournament pressure every time you tee up a golf ball on the course. I think it's actually incredibly important that there is a lot of fun. And, and to be honest, like even when you go watch practice rounds on the PGA tour, a lot of times, even those guys are out there having a good time. A lot of times playing games with each other and, I mean, you got to keep that part of it there. If, if you lose the fun, um, you know, you kind of are missing the boat on, on playing this sport, in my opinion. I couldn't agree more, Mike. I um, think that's some great advice. And again, I appreciate you taking some time to join us today. I think it brings some value, you know, to the, to the group and to the audience. So uh, parents, players, check out Super Speed. And uh, thanks for joining us, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I really appreciate you having us on. And if there's anything else we can do, just let us know. All right, great. Appreciate it.
Well, guys, that wraps up episode five of Junior Golf Keys with our guest, Mike Napoleon from Super Speed Golf. I hope you're able to learn more about overspeed training and what it can do for your golf game. But also for this audience, I love what Mike shared with us about being creative in practice and keeping the game fun. Although frustrating at times, golf is a game, and the more we can do to keep it enjoyable, the longer we get to play. If you've taken any value from this show, I'd ask that you please share it and leave a review. Also, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on some exciting guests that we have lined up. I appreciate you tuning in and hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.